You are aware this motion picture is shown in feel-around? Yes. Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 23. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm J.T. White. And today, we're here to talk about a couple of films, Dr. T and the Women, the Robert Altman film from 2000, and Kentucky Fried Movie, the John Landis effort from 1978, written by uh, the Z-A-Z writing combo. Zaz. Directed by known murderer John Landis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, JT, how did you uh, come about this selection? Is there is there something you need to tell us? <laughs> yeah, I, I was I kept on wondering. You didn't reveal this to us earlier. I'm just like, how are these movies related? You you called this double feature JT's dirty little secret, <laughs> if I recall correctly. Well, um, fans of the show, if you've listened to last week's episode, I directly mentioned uh, that I jacked off to both of these movies in my youth. Um, but what I didn't mention then. Uh, was that I only busted to Kentucky Fried Movie. <laughs> um, but at various points in our reviews of both films, I will address the specific scenes uh, where I whacked it. Uh, so you can join in at home. <laughs> um, sync, we'll give you the time code, and you can sync up and jack off at home. Jack off exactly when JT jacked off as a child. <laughs> JT and I had a long conversation about this yesterday. Uh, this is news to me that he busted to one of these movies. I thought both of these were uh, starters, as it were, for a young kid. But I, no, I mean, no. we'll get into it. Yeah, but, yeah, you, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to those scenes when they come. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was like an interesting, like, I don't know, they are sort of related in just like generally being like kind of horny films. And uh, I don't know, it was a fun fun pairing. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'm going to make up for JT's obscenities this week by not saying any bad words on the podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. M- me neither. <laughs> <laughs> See how long you can keep it going. Dr. T and the Women, our A movie today. Not a very reputable film. In fact, one of uh, Altman's least critically acclaimed or most critically reviled. I don't know why. It's really great, right? It's real breezy. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I remember like this. I mean, aside from being a movie I jacked off to always, I I never like watched it in full. And so I was very curious because I think like, I don't know, in just generally in being in like the canon of horny cinema, it seemed like an interesting like curiosity, especially because so many people hate it. People didn't like it because maybe Altman's satire wasn't obvious enough. Satire's in the news. You hear about this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, people have been acting real satirical lately. Yeah, certain uh, Marvel filmmaker, Taiko Waititi, is making an, or has made, and is getting vast acclaim for an anti-hate satire, as stated in the poster and in the trailer. And, you know, this movie is more subtle. Um, This movie does not have satire of uh, upper class, you know, rich shitbag hangups about sexuality at the turn of the 21st century uh, in its trailer, you know. It, it kind of presents itself as a rom-com, but if you can watch a movie, you know, you can see what Altman is doing uh, from his authorial uh, standpoint as the director. Yeah, I also feel like the premise alone miss is very, I mean, just as I was confused as a young boy by this prem- premise where it's like a gynecologist Richard Gere, that handsome man, all the and the women, there are multiple. It like you get a you get a 
like definitely could get like a misinterpretation that you would be going into some sort of like exploitation yeah. uh, mm-hmm. kind of territory. Some like a hot, dangerous movie where Richard yeah. Gere is a, a rogue gynecologist. <laughs> I mean, if this was more of like an erotic thriller, that would be insane. That yeah. I mean, it's not for Altman to make, obviously. That's mm-hmm. like a real trashy uh, DTV kind of thing, but that would be pretty funny. But it's not. And it's not presented as anything too serious, too. It's kind of played as a rom-com for the most part, which I think is perfect because it is just putting it right in your face that people's ideas of romance or sexuality or whatever at that point in time were kind of so like so influenced by like romantic comedies basically Mm -hmm. and uh this takes a more hard look at it and like the logic of those movies and it definitely punishes its character at the end that other movies lesser movies would definitely reward and and it kind of sneaks up on you because Throughout the movie, it kind of makes a point to show, you know, maybe except for his wife, that he has a great relationship with women. He's like kind of a, a ladies' man, but not, you know, not a womanizer, just a, a real respectful guy. Yeah, he's a woman respecter. A woman respecter. He does, yeah, this is a movie about an ally, dude. How to yeah. be the perfect ally. Classic nice guy territory. <laughs> So who are the women in his life? Because this is a movie about, you know, and you could also cut together a trailer of it being like a madcap comedy. You know, these women are driving me crazy. I mean, he says that at one point. And uh, he's got Laura Dern, and that's uh, the sister of his wife, who's played by Farrah Fawcett. And then uh, he's got a couple daughters, played by... Tara Reid. Tara Reid. She's like the conspiracy theorist one. And then the uh, cheerleader daughter. Is it Kate Hudson? It is. I mean, we could just do a loose like yeah. outline yeah. of it because like not a whole lot happens in the first hour. Yeah. yeah. So the woman that's driving him crazy the most, of course, is his wife. Because we see in this opening scene where Altman is cutting between the boys out hunting, uh, Dr. T and his boys. and Or no, they're not hunting. They're shooting skeet. Yeah, uh, yeah, skeeting, just <laughs> yeah, skeeting in the field with your boys. Uh, but the women, of course, are shopping. What else, you know? But uh, uh, Farrah Fawcett just slowly leaves the rest of the group behind and jumps in the fountain at the mall and gets naked and is just, uh, you know, reveling in the cold water of the mall. <laughs> and, mall fountain. And this was the scene that I tried to jack off to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tried. then slow, yeah. It's, you it's a pretty lo- depressing scene. Yeah, it's <laughs> like you see. It's like, oh, this woman is getting naked in the mall. What's this about? <laughs> um, but then it just like I don't know. It occupies too like dreamlike of a state, and subsequently like I mean deals with sex. The film, but is like noticeably like unhorny. I think in the mm-hmm. way it deals with it. Yeah, I mean, Altman has done a lot of this in his career. I think Three Women's another good example of it, but he kind of teases you for, you know, doing the male gaze, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this film definitely is, like, very aware of that. I mean, there's no way Robert Altman, that deep in his career, can make a movie about a womanizing gynecologist without, you know, <laughs> ha- looking down on the audience, basically, yeah. uh, and being kind of, you know, pessimistic about these types of people Mm -hmm. basically just rich people because they have no other worries other than this you know high drama that they create for themselves 
Yeah, the satire of like women here is pretty much reserved to like upper class blonde women who wear like floppy hats and like, you know, could afford to spend money all day. So it's like, you know, if you don't fit into that camp, you know, you don't have to be upset with Altman here. And it's it's all light. It's it's a there's nothing too you know, when you think of satire, you might think of South Park or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Altman Altman's not going for that, you know, extremity. And, you know, the character that he treats the most sympathetic, I would say, is the Farrah Fawcett character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Altman is not making fun of her for having a mental mm-hmm. breakdown the way he might make fun of Laura Dern for not having her shit together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or any of the guys that he's out hunting <laughs> with. Those guys are just portrayed as absolute dipshits. Andy Richter being the, the bozo <laughs> of the bozos. <laughs> a role he was born to play. He plays it so well. Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of Andy Richter, but he fit in perfectly into this movie he needs to know his role he needs to you know stay in his lane so also speak. good in cabin boy i mean come on. and well i haven't seen cabin boy but i know i know i'd like it well <laughs> cut cut that part i don't want the fans to know <laughs> <laughs> might as well pack it up <laughs> yeah so when we see her in the psychiatric hospital and everything like that you know that's probably the most serious that this film gets and everything else feels like it has such a deep detachment you know and you're able to just view this from the perspective of you know the outsider to this scenario which is most people you know most people watching this movie cannot relate to their status their standing if you will yeah and just like i mean the way like altman like traditionally like builds out like settings and like such a strong sense of place here like i feel like also plays such a heavy part in like drawing the comedy out of it like the first time you're introduced to richard Gere's uh like gynecological office it's just like a flur and like throughout the whole film it's like a flurry with women Mm -hmm. where you can just like even in scenes where they're like having conversations in separate rooms you can always hear like a general busyness um, in there and I think that adds like a lot of the comedy to it yeah I think Altman one of his classic skills is not just like being so deep into the milieu of whatever he's making a film about but establishing that over the opening credits of a movie you know like California Split has that and uh, another Texas movie he made um, Fool for Love is the other Texas movie I was thinking of, um, the stage play adaptation that Altman made. And, you know, he does that same thing in that movie where he just puts you where you're going to be without any, you know, exposition necessarily. People aren't telling you what the movie's going to be about or anything, but you just have to sit in that environment for a couple minutes and just ease into being in that world that Altman's going to really make you feel like you're a part of for the next whatever two hours yeah i feel like a lot of like the first hour was doing that sort of like setting up and like getting you because like there are like i mean like most allman films like a hefty amount of characters and like you spend like a lot of time alone with like each but the in that second half is where it really like sort of swings to life and i like i don't know i appreciate like such a gentle like introduction to the world yeah so to put more players on the chessboard, if you will, we also have the country club that Dr. Mm-hmm. T visits. And by the way, Dr. T, his name's Sullivan and his friends call him Sully. And if you got a character in your movie named Sully, mm-hmm. it's a positive. In my <laughs> <laughs> so at the country club, there's a new pro teaching there. And, uh, you know, it's also she has she's relegated to like assistant pro or something like that, mm-hmm. even though she's been on the WPGA tour for like a decade or something mm-hmm. like that. 
Uh, LPG, LPGA. LPGA, sorry. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sportos in the audience are <laughs> screaming at their device until Malcolm made that correction. Exactly. Uh, so he hits it off with her immediately, Bree, played by... Helen Hunt. Helen yeah. Hunt in a phenomenal performance by mm-hmm. Helen Hunt. Just Hunt always brings it. Oh, yeah. So his wife is institutionalized and this you know hot pro golfer is showing him all this love and what are you gonna do you're just gonna resist temptation for a whole 50 minutes or so (laughs) (laughs) if you're dr t you're not you know yeah well that's like the midpoint of the film right when he finally gives in and they hook up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think they have a little rendezvous at the country club yeah and then yeah it's back to her place yeah you know uh some people talk about a may december romance in screenwriting terms this is a midpoint to second act break romance So they're happy together for a little bit, and it seems like Dr. T is going to get, not like get off scot-free, but, you know, things are shaping up. His daughter's getting married, mm-hmm. one of them at least, yeah. uh, and his wife, you know, they're not sure what's happening, but at least he found a distraction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he goes to see her at one point yeah. during then, and mm-hmm. he, he he's like reassured for some reason. Yeah, that scene where he visits her after a while is really just like depressing because like she's really excited to see him but she's just referring to him as her brother and like uh she's getting everyone else's name wrong too and she's clearly just you know not ready to be back and uh so that kind of makes him feel i think that reassures him about cheating on her Yeah. Yeah, yeah also i mean pretty soon after he hooks up with hunt like gets a phone call and it looks like oh the, 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 a divorce might be in order yeah and this is where it's starting to tease you like yeah. it looks like things are gonna shape up for dr t you know it's <laughs> gonna be a nice classic rom-com you know no nah, man it's not gonna be like that you're gonna get a rough second act break that altman just absolutely nails where he gets the phone call that he's getting divorced and that's when helen hunt's character you know is taking a little weekend trip to new orleans <laughs> And then he also finds out that his daughter, who's going to get married, turns out she shouldn't be getting married because she's secretly been gay. Damn. Damn. And he, that, that, that puts him through a loop that really he has to sit down and take that in. And I like I love that it creates that sequence that like uh, comes next in this storyline where it's like the woman that. Uh, his daughter is cheating on her her fiance with mm-hmm. goes to visit him yeah. for a gynecological <laughs> exam, <laughs> which move. is just insane. That's yeah. just like come on, <laughs> crossing the line there. Maybe that's why people think this movie's bad because like there the logic isn't quite yeah. there, but like it never is in romantic comedies. Yeah. And who cares? It's I fun. Th- it's, yeah, that's such a funny. It's also set piece. at least more thought provoking. What more could you want? And it's also like really counteracting like Doctor T's misogyny in like the first half, where he's like a guy who's like like a very old fashioned guy who's like figured out women. Yeah, who's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I know. Like they're, they're d- different from men in this and this and this way. Yeah, and then the second half sort of really shakes his understanding of all of his relationships with women. So, and we talked about the milieu of his office, and at this point, his office is as hectic as it's ever been. You know, it's always been hectic, but this is just wild. And at one point, an old lady trips another lady with her cane and almost kills her, it seems like. Just, like, makes her fall straight on her head. This office is so active. Is he the only gynecologist in town, or is there just something about Dr. T that he just knows 
knows women so well, you know? Yeah, I mean, they do talk about it a lot. The the patients are like, they love him. They hate the office because they never get to see him. <laughs> but they keep coming back because they love him, yeah. I mean, he's just trying to please all of his patients so much that like he just uh, loves pleasing women yeah yeah i mean he lets the one smoke while she's getting her exam yeah respect this guy yeah <laughs> loves women so among these because we should say you know we're, we talked about the plot like most altman this isn't just like plot point after plot point this is like a two-hour movie with lots of room to breathe in between and you know so many of these performances are so good like in the office you have Shelley Long as uh, Carolyn who's kind of his uh, his right hand lady if you will uh she's I don't really know I, I don't know doctor shit I don't know what position she holds yeah <laughs> but uh not she, really into that type of shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't go to med school uh, I've never been to a doctor <laughs> but she is certainly fantastic. not a gynecologist oh <laughs> certainly <laughs> I I go to check on my uh, daughter's hymen <laughs> to make sure it's <laughs> Who was that that does that? T.I. T.I. Oh, uh, T.I. That's so... That's so fucked up. <laughs> Peyton Reed. Reconsider. Marilyn. Uh, so what do we got? Vaginal infection? Why don't we have a look? Let's see what's going on here. Could be very gentle. Nothing to worry about here. So, you don't know who Bill Starr is, huh? Everything falls apart at that moment where he sees the secret lover of his daughter's vagina and he knows that something's wrong and he needs to get out of there because all of these women are driving him crazy. (laughs) And it's pretty funny. I don't know. It's just Richard Gere, just full bozo mode, just like flees his office and goes to see Helen Hunt and he's soaking wet just like she was when uh, they first met because of the rain. And she just, I, I thought that it was going to get them back together. You know, it's perfect mm-hmm. symmetry and everything, but Altman does not, he denies you of that. Yeah. Gear comes in super hot, super romantic, you know, just super exuberant, like says all the things like, I love you. Let's go away together. Very forceful. Very forceful. Very, <laughs> yeah. Just talks for like three minutes, basically. Just being like, <laughs> I feel like they could have reached a compromise, you know, if mm-hmm. he wasn't so stupid about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. But that's what the film's telling you, man. Even the guys who say they have women all figured out and all their best friends are ladies, even they are awful to women. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't leave that in. <laughs> no, no. No, that's feminist of us. That's cool. That's what we that's what we're that's why I picked this. My hidden reason. Yeah. yeah. Jacking off up front. That's yeah. the that's the bro lie. <laughs> the bro lie. <laughs> You, that's what's great about this podcast the bro veneer then you pull back the you know you pull that back and we're kind of like dirty grandpa where we're like so we're just more woke than <laughs> it could even be realized or put down on like text or audio it doesn't really translate like that you'd have to meet us in person <laughs> so after he's like you know almost at his end uh before this shelly long the aforementioned shelly long uh tries to fuck him like she gives a massage to him and she's like undressing while she's doing it and richard gear is just so spaced out at this point because <laughs> his whole life is just collapsed <laughs> upon him he's just completely zoned doesn't understand what she's doing you know dr tay there's there's nothing that uh I wouldn't do for you. There's, there's just nothing I wouldn't do for you. And, uh, and it's just like a punchline at the end where he's leaving the office and she's just under the desk because she's naked and doesn't want him to see. 
or not naked. She's in lingerie rather. Uh, and he sees her. He's just like, Oh man, another woman wants to fuck me. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what's another funny thing here. He says to the Helen Hunt character a lot. It's like, you're not like the other one. I've never met a woman like you or yeah. whatever. And, um, yeah, that's a that's a classic. That's a classic line. It's We've also all... a contradiction of like his big point of like noticing that every woman is different too. It's mm-hmm. just like, well, I don't know if it's a contradiction necessarily, but it's like it it almost cancels it. It makes yeah. it like an unimportant thing to say. You know? Yeah, it feels like yeah, the the same sentence is coming from the same person. Yeah, and it's just like. <laughs> And Gear has that perfect kind of like plastic charisma, mm-hmm. where he's he's perfect for this role as like a country club dweller and stuff yeah. like that. And you know, I got I got to say, you know, scenes of him chilling in the country club was a little bit aspirational for me. I, it really, it was just, it seemed pretty cozy, like a cozy environment. So the wedding falls apart, and as does everything else in Doctor T's life. But he's happy about the wedding falling apart because he wants his daughter to be happy. And mm-hmm. you know, if that means being gay in Texas in the year two thousand, mm-hmm. that's what she's got to do. Mm-hmm. I love uh, just how he reacts as like, well, I mean, the wedding like literally being torn apart by like the storm that develops. Mm-hmm. But there's the it's the classic like poster shot. Uh, Richard Gere just looking up at the sky, <laughs> like as uh, like confused but happy. Yeah, the DVD poster, one of the posters for this, makes it look like it's not quite raining women, but he's looking <laughs> to the sky as if it were raining women. And then you have the nine like pictures or seven or whatever pictures of all the supporting actresses on the side. It's pretty cool. I watched this on a DVD. What about you guys? I watched I- a DVD rip. I watched uh, the same uh, DVD you have. I oh, also had nice. a, it's just Dr. Teen the Women because it's so hated. I feel like this is a bargain bin classic. Oh, you can yeah. pick this up for like two bucks um, and it's like you're really going to get a ride for your money for that two dollars. I got mine for 99 cents. Oh, damn. Damn. I'm going to scoop this up. Honestly, loved it. Loved it a lot. Yeah, I like Altman is one of my all time favorite filmmakers. And so for him, you know, a 12th favorite Altman is still probably one of the mm. best movies of that year or whatever. It's like a still amazing movie. So, yeah, this is great. And I'm going to give it four bullets. Nice. I'm going to give it four bullets as well. I feel like this one I've. I've watched a good amount of Altman before, but this one's kind of finally cracked the code for me. I'm really starting to, you know, pick up on his rhythm, the rhythm of his movies. And, you know, it's like this is like his Nancy Myers movie. Like, how could how could you not like it? You it know? kind of is. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. that I think about it, you're you're kind of, it's weird, but you're right. Yeah, <laughs> this is his What Women Want. I haven't seen that movie, but it I, shares uh, an actress, right? Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. And is, the year. I think they both yeah, came exactly out same, same year. year. Yeah. So I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> four bullets from me as well. Another ching. <laughs> uh, uh, another classic extended clip. Six cents. Bam, love it. Any closing thoughts on the film? Um, no, I just loved it. Um, another great Altman flick. I was like really like coming in like skeptical because there are so many elements of this film I was like ready to like. Um, but uh, it delivers. We'll be right back on Extended Clip to talk about Kentucky Fried Movie. And we're back on Extended Clip. Before we get into the Kentucky Fried Movie, anything else you guys watched this week that you want to talk about? Yeah, before before watching the movies for the, you know, the double feature that we do every week, I, you know, I did a little home screening myself. I watched a little movie and unbeknownst to me, 
I didn't know that Dr. T and the woman was about a male gynecologist and, you know, a little bit about gynecology in general. And lo and behold, the movie I decided to watch, Dead Ringers, another movie about gynecologists. But, you know, this is a little bit more sinister. It is, you know, it is a horror movie. It's Cronenberg. And um, it's about twin gynecologists who uh, fuck the same woman. One is more charismatic, you know, seduces the girl and then the other one is the bookworm who's kind of the brains behind the group and of course this leads to a lot of weird uh sexual tension between the brothers and a girl that eventually that the nerdier brother decides to date and i don't know it's not my favorite cronenberg but it's really great it has a great commitment to like a certain mood and I'll, I'll, you know, watching Cronenberg movies, I, I always think I'm like, damn, Toronto sucks. Like Toronto must like <laughs> Toronto must be like such a shit town because he makes it feel like a great, just alienating urban environment, no matter what. And like, I don't know, I love being inside a doctor's office, and I get a lot of a lot of that in this movie. And uh, we have Jeremy Irons Irons giving a dual, you know, Lindsay Lohan style Parent Trap performance. <laughs> And uh, it's, you know, it's real great. I mean, Irons is, every time I've seen Jeremy Irons in a movie, he's, he really does it for me. I really, really like the guy. But uh, yeah, Dead Ringers. Nice. What about you, JT? Um, well, I've actually like watched a good bit of things, a lot of stuff I liked, but uh, I don't want to talk about those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I watched uh, Steamboat Willie um, on Disney+. Plus. Now, oh. before you accuse me, of being a sellout fascist, um, <laughs> I uh, my roommate got a Disney Plus subscription, and I figured I'd take it for a spin. I uh, was curious to see what they had on there, see the selection, and get like a feel for that. And it's like mostly just shit for babies, yeah. Um, like just like children's cartoons, and uh, like which is like fine. Like I will occasionally dip my toes into that, but it's just like. A lot of the Pixar, like, classic family movie stuff. And it's, like, I have no interest in that whatsoever. And then, of course, the Marvel and, like, Star Wars stuff, which, mm-hmm. like, take it or leave it. Yeah. And, uh, take it or leave it. Leave that. Yeah. Shit. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but aside from that, I was, like, they ha- do have a little, like, selection of, like, the classic, like, Mickey Mouse cartoons. And that was what spurred my interest in watching uh, Steamboat Willie. But, like... I don't know. I didn't fuck with it. It was like boring. It sucked. Fuck this mouse. <laughs> I don't care. Um, and I don't know. I've seen a lot of other animated shorts from that time period that I feel like have a lot more life and are doing more interesting things. And it just feels like a very derivative sort of like, I don't know. A lot of them have like the classic like musical sequence in shorts of that time. And it wasn't that interesting. But uh, yeah, the the masses are right. Disney Plus is bad. <laughs> Disney Disney nonplussed. That's how it left me nonplussed. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Disney, you're on notice. <laughs> uh, no, nah, Disney is fucked, and uh, that shit is whack. And JT is my only exception. Anyone else who watches Disney Plus, even if you're not <laughs> yeah. paying for it, even if it's your roommate or your girlfriend or whatever, uh, yeah, no, you're in trouble. Excise that shit out of your life. If you're if you're like if you have access to a Disney Plus account. Destroy you your to, device. You well, you need to rid of the negative influences in your life. You yeah. Know? All right. I got, l- let me tell you a quick story. There's this guy. He told me I signed up for the seven day free trial of Disney Plus yesterday at school. He was showing me, 
show me the catalog gotta agree with jt mostly just weird baby movies and it's like oh baby movies from the <laughs> 70s and the 80s cool he was like yeah i was showing that off i'm like yeah cool you know and then moments later he's showing me a little group chat he's in where they're sharing pornographic photos with each other you know drawings of like hentai and just drawings <laughs> of like uh, beloved cartoons you know figures <laughs> sucking dick or something like that now that's and some I, content uh, i can get down yeah uh, yeah and i was just like <laughs> if only there were a streaming site for that kind of cartoon media and that's why we're introducing the two dollar tier of our patreon where <laughs> jt will draw a minion having sex with a film critic of your choice <laughs> i will i i would love to cure curate uh, a deviant art feed for someone where i just find deviant art photos <laughs> and send them to people so that could be a private thing if you want to message me that doesn't, that, that doesn't have to be related to the podcast really uh, well i will stand by the fact that if we ever get into any sort of uh premium content racketeering because all of that is a scam uh it will include uh erotic drawings from jt yeah i'll i'll do some just tell me hey dm me if you want i'll draw a minion sucking you off or like fingering you or whatever <laughs> kevin stewart bob whichever one you want. <laughs> hell he'll even go for gruel <laughs> I, I don't think i can draw gruel just minions please keep it stick it to minions oh man don't want to draw a grown man (laughs) (laughs) and really draw men (laughs) um but eddie have you watched anything you want to talk about no all right next movie (laughs) uh no i watched quite a bit this week you know i had a a normal week of viewing i revisited some classics but you know one thing i'm going to talk about is paranoid park by gus van sant now this is in the what I'm going to call the good period of Gus Van Sant's career. Other others have referred to a death trilogy that he made with Harris Savides. This is outside of that. This was shot by uh, Christopher Doyle, uh, who I also watched another film of. I rewatched Chunking Express, which he classically lensed. Um, but Paranoid Park, it's a little different. You know, it doesn't have the needle drops or the flashy neon of Chunking Express. It's more of the, the down and dirty Christopher Doyle work. And what him and Gus Van Sant are doing in this film are kind of melding his style that Van Sant have been using with Savides, uh, these two thirds of which uh, in Academy ratio, these long take centric movies where you're often following these characters who are eventually going to die. And this is an extension of that. And it's a young boy who's a skateboarder and he accidentally kills a security guard on a train yard. And it's a, you know, a puzzle box type narrative. It's it's in a shuffled order because the young boy is recounting his experiences in a letter. And, you know, you get a little bit of his romantic life. You get his, you know, life at the skate parks and trying to fit into this new culture that he finds in these illegal underground skate park that is referred to as the titular paranoid park and you know it's just beautiful because it's that style that van sant had been working with but with a little bit of that skate footy classic style you know uh it'll go down to consumer grade video once in a while and you'll just get some low level uh classic skate footage you know where a guy's just skating behind another skater holding it by his ankles or his knees and you get some amazing footage intercut with that where it's back to 
how the rest of the film is being shot and you just get these slow-mo shots of you know people skating bowls and catching a few feet of air and it's just like some of the most poetic stuff that i've seen gus van sant do in that period where he is very much a uh, poetic filmmaker so paranoid park check it out yeah the technique where um it cuts to lo-fi footage uh, of them skating that's a, a hoxian method a, a tony hoxian <laughs> method <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting on that one for like 30 seconds. I was like, it be the perfect time to say this. You see, this film more emulates the gritty mm. realism of the skate franchise. <laughs> and so on to our B movie for the weekend. Ugh, weekend? <laughs> <laughs> Extended well, clip weekend edition. <laughs> I mean, fun. they come out on like Friday, yeah. It is true. Everybody's working for the weekend, and yeah. that's when they listen to extended clip. <laughs> right when they get off that Friday, <laughs> yeah, you five punch o'clock, that clock. punch that clock. You get in your car, you know, start the engine, and then extended the clips home. Yeah, extended clips playing, and then you give it the second listen on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> like Tarantino with Newsroom, where he would watch it when it came out, and then watch it again uh, right after, and then he would watch it again the <laughs> night before the next episode came out. <laughs> He's got fucking newsroom on repeat. That's what we expect all of our listeners to do with this Mm -hmm. podcast. So our second movie for you this weekend is Kentucky Fried (laughs) Movie, uh, written by uh, Abrams Zucker Abrams, who would later do Airplane, among other lesser comedies, and directed by known murderer, as we said, John Landis. Wait, did you say Zucker Abrams Abrams? Oh, that's what I... It's Zucker Zucker, Abrams Zucker. Zucker. Sorry. You doubled the Abrams. Azza. So, what do you guys think about John Landis in general? Because this is a touchy subject for me. I love his son, Max Landis. <laughs> I love his little beautiful baby boy, Max Landis. I love American Ultra. I love being cool like Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. I, when I say a touchy subject, I mean I like an American Werewolf in London. and Otherwise, I think Landis is not a very good film. No, yeah, I would agree. I was going to say that movie, that movie is good, but uh, I can't really think of... I mean, I, don't, I haven't really seen too much of, what, the Twilight Zone movie? I haven't seen it, so... Yeah, I mean, that's where he killed someone, so yeah. maybe it's worth watching. Yeah, just for the <laughs> its cultural impact. <laughs> and its impact on one person and their family. Yeah, I, think it's a, it's, I think it's a couple. I think he killed a... I think he got a couple people. I thought he just killed one kid. Uh, maybe it was two. Because I always heard yeah. one name associated with it. I mean, you're probably right, though. Yeah. It's probably just one person. John Land has directed this after he made a movie called Schlock, which was another kind of tribute to the movies and going to the movies and making fun of movies that are lesser than you (laughs) that's kind of the thesis of kentucky fried movie yeah it's like movies are worse than you because although they are horny like you they're also stupid and don't know how to be directed i guess i don't know yeah it's It's really weak i don't know the so this is a sketch comedy movie jt actually you want to take the reins on this one yeah why not i uh the reason this movie first came to me um (laughs) was there, the particular one particular sketch. You must see Catholic, Catholic high school, high school girls, girls in trouble. In trouble. And uh, as a young boy, I could recognize like the pair. I could even then, despite being overwhelmed by horniness, I could recognize like the parody aspects of this. I was yeah. doing like an exploitation movie, and uh, there is there are a lot of titties in that scene, and uh, so it became a, a favorite in my household. Um. <laughs> But yeah, then Wait, after... How old were you when you watched this movie the first time? I didn't watch the movie. I just watched that scene. So you were like 12? <laughs> uh, yeah, pr- uh, like 12. 
Um, but then like last year I like finally sought this out and I was like, look, I like beat off to this a ton. Yeah. I was like, I, I owe it to Mr. Landis, uh, to make it through the whole film. And I did. And I thought it was okay then. And like now it, I don't know. I, I liked it even less. Like I was expecting, or I was like hoping that this would be something that I would, like I bump it up to like three and a half. But I, uh, it's just not all that good. And like the jokes don't really land. And like I feel like overall, I really enjoy the idea of like a sketch comedy, like anthology film. I just haven't seen it done well at all. Yeah. And I mean, it's most. I feel like also like I'm averse to like sketch comedy in like in general it's bad yeah but like i don't know i think get a good crew of people together you could make like a good anthology piece one time yeah no for sure there's been lightning in a bottle and i wouldn't say this is a full sketch film but hollywood shuffle has quite a few sketches yeah. in it but it's also just a narrative but really that movie is like 80 minutes with four sketches not connected to the narrative so it's like pretty much a sketch movie um, but most sketch comedy movies are not good. I've never sat through a whole Monty Python movie. Sorry. Mm-hmm. There's one. There's David Wayne did like one about the Ten Commandments. Yeah, and I still haven't seen. That's like the one David Wayne I haven't seen. I saw it when I was younger, and I didn't think it was that funny. But speaking of David Wayne, we can shout out some good sketch comedy before Absolutely. we get into deriding the entire genre. Mm-hmm. Let me say David Wayne from the state. And Stella, you could almost say, is like a sketch comedy show, even though it's like one sketch that lasts a whole season. Mr. Show with Bob and David. I think we all approved that one. Yeah. The Birthday Boys. I liked that show. Chappelle Show. I mean, fuck. How are you going to exclude that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fuck with Kids in the Hall, too. Kids mm-hmm. in the Hall, very good. SCTV, you ever watch that? No. Um, I've seen a few eps. I've only seen a couple sketches, yeah. but some some good shit in there. I love Chris Morris. I, I think he does. And a lot of his stuff is more parody, I guess, but... Jam is a really good sketch show that's, I don't know, it kind of it kind of does breaks a little convention from the regular sketch show. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, I got to be honest, even though it definitely overstayed its welcome, there were a lot of bad episodes. Comedy Bang Bang had some great sketches when it was on TV. Uh, the fake movie trailer sketch is like hard to do well because it's so overdone, and you see that in this movie in particular. Comedy Bang Bang had some very good fake movie trailers. Um, as a whole, the show wasn't amazing, but it had some great sketches and, you know, gave me hope that was then crushed because now there is no good sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I we forgot Tim and Eric. Oh, well. of course. Oh, yeah, Tim and Eric. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And of course, SNL. Everyone's favorite. Gonna yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I got to shout out Kate McKinnon and other people from SNL. Alec Baldwin. The, Alec Baldwin. I think oh, they're doing God. some really brave stuff over there and I'm just glad to be fighting in the resistance with them. I love I love tuning in every single Saturday night. Yeah. And even if it's a rerun, it's just like, well, I'll take out my note and pad. Yeah, what if it's work. the rerun of the one where Kate McKinnon sings Hallelujah dressed as Hillary Clinton? Little Leonard Cohen tribute. That was a beautiful moment in sketch yeah. comedy history. Up there with when uh, Bob hit David on the head with a dildo in the <laughs> porn stores uh, sketch. Yeah, I've been getting into Leonard Cohen lately. What a, what a good musician. What is kind of the... Is there a premise to this movie, really? I mean, I think it's like loosely structured around like a news room. Yeah, like, like watching TV. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of. Flipping so you, around. So you see some fake advertisements, you see some fake movie trailers, and then you watch like a 30-minute kung fu uh, parody in the middle, and that is where I was completely yeah. just off 
bored. Like, Where are the jokes? Yeah, what's, I mean, the what's first even funny about this? Twenty minutes or so, like you know, it had that thirty rock style, like level of joke pacing, mm-hmm. uh, but they hit at such a lower level than something mm-hmm. like thirty rock, where it at least made me laugh probably three or four times over the first twenty minutes. Yeah, uh, even though all the sketches were like bad, but then that kung fu thing comes in and it's like. Had he seen three, had he seen like two Bruce Lee movies and one other Hong Kong movie and was like, I can make fun of this shit. I I know what I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. It's boring as fuck. It's really boring. And a lot of the, a lot of the humor comes from, you know, like we said before, kind of looking down on certain types of movies, whether it be, you know, Kung Fu and porn. Those are the only two I could come up with (laughs) off off that. But I think Extended Clip are, you know, both very pro those two categories. So it's just like you just see that disrespected yeah. through, you know, it's supposed to be levity, but it's not. It's just uh and slam. Also just like the pacing of like the movie I feel like is disrupted by having like this big sketch that mm-hmm. stands out. Like I think it would be a lot more palatable if it was just like stayed consistent, like with like a fast punchy thing. Because that way, even like with a lot of the jokes not particularly working, you get to move through it like fast enough mm-hmm. where you never like stick around with one thing too long. But just like thirty-one minutes of that are so so slow. Yeah, and it, it doesn't help that like I don't like the sketches that much more either. Yeah, you know? so you're looking at. You know, it's kind of a sandwich style format, kind of much like the Z A Z presents format. You know, yeah. So that A is the uh, awful, awful, awful uh, short kung fu movie, and then it gets back to some sketches like Scott Free, which is like their uh, JFK assassination game. Hey, that's connection between the two movies. Some JFK assassination mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's a really weak sketch, though. So many of these sketches are just like you get the joke of it right away mm-hmm. and it has that SNL level of just extending that one joke for fucking seven minutes or whatever. Yeah. Did you guys find anything in this movie particularly funny? I, let's see. I kept, I kept some notes. Um, I think I kind of like the Catholic high school girls in trouble sketch a little bit. Well, I know one reason why. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like kind of a soft core sexploitation type movie like uh trailers aren't like that but mm-hmm. it did feel like a highlight reel from one of those type movies and you know for what i see uh people praising landis for in this movie and his like commitment to these different film styles that's really one of the only ones that actually is true uh, that catholic girls and then the courtroom one at the end is so long and convoluted and boring but at least it presents itself kind of properly. It looks different than the rest of the film, you know? I really like, there's a gag. The one gag I feel like I enjoyed the most was um, they're doing like some talk show style thing where like they're bringing out different animals and a woman throws the gerbil over her shoulder to get rid of it. I knew it was coming too. That's the funny thing is Mm -hmm. she said she was bringing out the next animal. I knew she was tossing (laughs) that fucking gerbil. And then it was a guy in a gorilla suit. And it's like, oh, what do you think's going to happen? Guy in a gorilla suit attacks everyone. And I thought the the gorilla would be more horny. I think that's the classic route is that he would hump one of their legs. I mean, he does rip her top off. That's true. The rest of the movie is very horny though. Like so many of these sketches are just like, it's something I really fucking have always hated in comedy where it's just loud sex noises. That's yeah. not funny ever. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's funny. Yeah. It's 14 year old boy, like level yeah. horny. Yeah. It's like, Oh, we can make a rated R like dirty movie. So let's just be dirty. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
not i mean i'm fine with that if you're actually funny but this movie isn't very funny and it's not that that writing combo isn't funny obviously airplane is a it's a real yuck a minute flick yeah uh, kind of made me scared to rewatch it because I haven't seen it in a while, and I'm like, is it not gonna hit as much as it used to? I don't think so because yeah. I can still remember jokes from Airplane That's that are true. funny. Yeah, definitely. this one I remember jokes, but they're not funny. I barely remember the jokes. I, <laughs> I don't really remember too many gags. Uh, let's see. One of them from the Catholic school, Girls in Trouble, is when they describe the film as savage and then cut to a bunch of uh, Native Americans. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of jokes like that where they're, you know, maybe instead of poking fun at uh, certain movies, they might poke fun at a certain race. Yeah. It's like something you're going to see a lot in the, the comments or whatever you're going to see, like contemporary people talking about this movie is calling it racist, sexist, mm-hmm. whatever. And you know what? They're not wrong, but yeah. we're not here to, you know. We that's don't care not about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that we don't care As about it. As we proved with Dirty Grandpa last week. <laughs> we love a nice raunch fest. It's not really our place to, you know. Uh, but it is a hate-filled movie, and it mm-hmm. doesn't make you feel good about laughing at stuff, you know. But it definitely, the filmmakers feel good. They're having a yuck-a-minute fest. they're yucking it up they're slapping their knees yeah i was trying to keep track at home how many yucks i had per minute like with a stopwatch app on my phone and i i was on like maybe a yuck every five minutes yeah like that's being generous yeah the psa towards the end about death being like the leading killer in america was pretty funny yeah Uh, it did overstay its welcome but i was like shocked for the first 30 seconds of that sketch that i not shocked by the material but shocked that i liked it so much i was like oh this is actually a funny joke premise that they're hopefully not going to stay with too long and then they Mm -hmm. did yeah like kind of like i said about dirty grandpa last time this is about how many laughs can i get you know i'm just juicing this movie for all the laughs (laughs) i can get and my cup you know my (laughs) cut my laugh cup wasn't very high I didn't have much to sip on afterwards. <laughs> yeah, my mug that says comedian's tears was empty. Uh, yeah, there's like, so what I said about the loud sex, it's like that's the kind of comedy it is. And it ends with another sex gag where this guy and girl are having sex and the TV is showing these newscasters we saw in the beginning and they're, you know, they're peeping and they're each like making, they're imitating the sex noises and like, wanting to jack off i guess mm-hmm. and so that's kind of funny i think i i, I don't know that was just like i got it right away when you're like yeah. oh you know and it could be kind of thought-provoking you know the tv's watching us <laughs> uh, 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 a real video drum yeah type premise but it's just so stupid like mm-hmm. that is such an encapsulation of what the sense of humor of this movie is mm-hmm. is at the end when those guys are literally just howling at the couple having sex yeah. and you're just supposed to be laughing i guess and mm-hmm. it's just like and two people are still listed as missing <laughs> to me not very not to be all like puritan or whatever because clearly you know you just heard us talk about dr t and the women and last week's dirty grandpa this movie just did not it felt icky for lack of a better words when it doesn't have the charisma to pull stuff off like that it it could leave a sour taste in your mouth i mean i think you can do like horny funny when you're generally not engaging with the horny part of this film like part of that like this movie very much so is proud that it got a lot of young women to take their tops off for it yeah. and like doesn't totally, really yeah. like isn't really like 
I don't know. Like the the horny part of the comedy is just sort of like leaning into the leering sort of part you of could, it. Yeah, you could feel the filmmaker, you know, stroke it a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. never a good film. It's like the inverse of Altman, you know, mm-hmm. like it's. He also, uh, Landis also directed Animal House, you know. Yeah, and, and Altman's similar... on that No Nut November shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think comparing Altman and Landis in their views of like sexuality and how you should portray that on screen were, you know, on the surface, both of them have a lot of nudity and sex and comedy in their mm-hmm. movies. If you know how to watch movies, you'll mm-hmm. see the difference. Uh, not to offend any Landis heads out there. I know he has fans, and that's why I said it was a touchy subject. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who feel the way I feel about his werewolf movie about his entire, or not his entire catalog, but most of his big hits. And I just never really got that same joy out of something like Blues Brothers or Animal House. Animal House especially, yeah. It's weird because being like raised on like the Simpsons and like a lot of comedy that feels like indebted to him. Like there are so many like... Um, like the classic Simpsons episode, Homer goes to college mm-hmm. is like kind of a riff on that, like animal house style comedy. And like, I appre I don't know. It's like a weird appreciation where it's like, I get like why you could find this funny, but I just, it like too much of it feels dated. Yeah. It's very antiquated. Like the movies you listed animal house, blues brothers. It just seems like almost kind of gives me like those Fletch vibes of just something that like. I really couldn't really connect with, and I feel like people connected with it more just because it was available at the time. Yeah, I hate to be the guy that's like judging a comedy by how well it's aged. That's one of my True, big pet peeves yeah. when I'm on Letterboxd and I just see a comedy and like it's about how it's held up or how it ages, and it's mm-hmm. like, who fucking cares? But this one, I don't know, when you're taking that strong of a stance of what you're making fun of in culture mm-hmm. and how you approach you know sex and stuff like that like it's gonna either really hold up as it were like with altman mm-hmm. uh where it's just a thought-provoking critique of people like landis or you're gonna be like landis where you're showing your ass and you don't care back then but you know it really dates itself by not caring you know mm-hmm. yeah it's the it's the general tone and the posture of this movie that's more maddening than anything else not you know the content itself at least to me I also just wish Landis wasn't such a boring director, you know? His attempts to commit to these styles of different film are so boring. Other than the courtroom one, it's like all kind of the same. It's just once in a while he'll do a Zoom or something, and it's like... Because he's such a cinephile, and you can tell, but he doesn't appreciate film the same way that I do, I guess. And so I just can't get on board with his type of cinephilia that he's putting out there in this movie. Maybe he needs to hit the art house. Maybe he does, you know. Um, but anyway, I thought this movie was god awful. Honestly, uh, one bullet. Ooh, suicide in- style. John Landis, <laughs> you deserve it. Damn, I'm gonna give it, you know, one and a half bullets. Even though I don't even really know why. I don't really like this movie, like at all. But you know, it, it it's still, you know, the sound was in sync and stuff like that. So it's just, like, <laughs> yeah. I, can't, I can't be too harsh on. Yeah, it. you know, one there's an HD version of it. You yeah, know, it's, it's like, not the most. Yeah, I don't. It's not. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm giving it uh, two bullets because mostly just because of the memories personal history. I, the personal history I have. Show respect. But I would say um, skip this one, leave it at Redbox, just search <laughs> uh, Catholic high school girls on like uh, a Pornhub or an X videos if you want. Mr. Skin. Yeah. yeah Mr. Check. Skin has a field day with uh, Landis, I'm sure. 
they have a personal relationship <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd have to imagine with that being said that basically wraps up our discussion of that film jt is there anything else you want to say about you know being horny in movies and how you should exercise those demons um yeah well i think <laughs> i do actually it is, like, <laughs> it is kind of a thing that's weird because people love to talk about being horny on twitter and yeah. then when someone gets too horny in a review it's like this person's so horny yeah yeah and it kind of where's the line where's the what's good what's not what do you allow are you allowed to say that you jacked off to dr t and the women when you were 12 yeah (laughs) it's a complicated relationship you know a lot of you know cinephiles might have you know you know jerking off to these actresses in this this movie you know kind of maybe it could uh complicate some certain judgments well i I think being the self-professed horniest one on the podcast, <laughs> I have to earn that. Right? <laughs> I, I, I am. Uh, Where are your stripes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm prepared to like uh, talk about it. I don't know. I feel like it's like. I think like cinema like has like a particularly important and like long-standing relationship with like voyeurism and like eroticism so i think like it's natural to like address any aspect of like or like i don't know i think there is like a legitimate relationship there like with sex but i think it's like it depends on like how you're viewing or like exploiting the material and it also is like what material it is like mm-hmm. now i've hung up my hat i do not <laughs> i do not jo to movies anymore Respect. um i just like it feels weird because it's like i don't know generally something i'm like looking at from like an artistic perspective yeah and just like the but they're like ineffective movies like they do try to make you horny yeah i mean i've talked about fucking jess franco on this podcast mm-hmm. a lot he makes straight up softcore mm-hmm. and it's a it's a difficult thing to wrestle with when you want to log the movie on Letterboxd in good faith. <laughs> True. No, um, like... People don't get it, you know, when you when, yeah. you, when, you, when you say, like, a lot, a lot of criticism of Tarantino is the feet in the shot, you know, it's just like... He's just vibing. He's just vibing. I don't know. <laughs> just, like, do you want to tell him to take him down? <laughs> no. It, it, it is, like, it's a weird gray area between Puritan and pervert, like, when you're talking about movies online that have such a clear, like, male gaze especially yeah you know if that's you probably the problem listener you know if you're not a film school kid read fucking mulvey visual pleasure like some shit like that you know mm-hmm. uh see where people are coming from and you'll probably feel bad about uh being horny at the movies yeah. but then also then you just like watch fucking hundreds of movies and keep reading and shit and you just become detached to that and you transcend and yeah you just let the you know as Rosenbaum does, let the eroticism take over and post the screenshots where there's nude actors, you know? Legendary. Yeah, post your uh, like picture tributes uh, to the movies <laughs> that you've done. <laughs> Tweet it when you bust to yeah. a movie. Anyone uh, doing a special J-O-J-O rabbit, you know, with a <laughs> printed out picture of Taika Waititi, or if it's just still on the screen, you know, just wipe it off. <laughs> send, send us your favorite nude celeb pics at, at extendedclip69 on twitter we'll review them on the podcast i think only only ladies only <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> look this is the male I was gonna g- say, only consensual <laughs> photography like, no fucking fabbing bullshit <laughs>
Only rule, ladies only. And that's the only rule we're laying out. As it's been established, Extended Clip did invent ladies' night. <laughs> ladies' night. This is a male gaze podcast, and I stand firm on that. No, we are a deconstruction of the male gaze. Uh, as always, you can email us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. I said last week that we didn't have any, and it's because I can't read. So last week I didn't read one where the subject was yesterday from Ryan Kelly email. And it says, hey, I'm working on a script where I wake up in a world where I'm the only one who remembers off Austin Powers. Fancy a shag, you fat bastard? That's all I got. Ryan. Uh, Gmail offers me the response, love it. So I'll <laughs> click that. Love uh, it. No, do haha, that's awesome. Oh, cool. <laughs> Any word on that, you guys? Uh, <laughs> hey, keep on writing. Yeah. Yeah, keep on writing. I'm sorry I didn't get to you last week. Yeah. Um, one, one tip about screenwriting you got to write. You gotta write. Writers gotta write. Writers That's what gotta my write, first baby. screenwriting teacher told me. I'm gonna ask him for a letter of rec at school. Uh, I graduated like a year ago, and I hope he remembers me. Just fake a Blake Snyder uh, recommendation letter. <laughs> that's that's your golden ticket. You get yeah. to any school in the country with the Blake <laughs> Snyder recommendation. Our next one comes from Valerie, and it says, Kramer movie. Hey, fellas, I read recently Michael Richards was recently in a religious movie called Faith, Hope, and Love, where he played a character entitled Daddy Hogwood. He says nothing in the trailer, but this is what he wears. And if you can see here, uh, Michael Richards is in nothing else but cowboy daddy outfit what else can you oh, say yeah. he yeah. looks uh like uh sheriff truman in twin peaks yeah he does looking good. sheriff truman that yeah, is yeah yeah uh r.i.p to the late robert forster yeah damn uh not recommending it for the pod just informing you folks of its existence that is all sincerely mm. valerie uh gmail gives me an option to say thanks i'll check it out <laughs> <laughs> uh no that screenshot is amazing mm-hmm. i i'm gonna check this thing out i got yeah. it i mean it's our boy. It makes me, yeah, <laughs> love Michael Richards, everything he's done. Um, it harkens, it makes me harken back to like a, you know, an ensemble piece comedy like Be Cool or something like that, <laughs> where, you know, Michael Richards is like a wacky side character who wears a cowboy hat, maybe five minutes of screen time. But I want more movies like that, more movies like Be Cool, where we could give a, a nice small little role to Michael Richards. I uh, also want to keep supporting Michael Richards. Yeah, he was, he's in uh, like a. F- uh, show favorite problem child. Oh yes, true. He yeah. kills a so, problem yeah. child. Um, I think we should be giving him more roles. Also, in the Seinfeld reunion arc of Curb, he is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I feel like we went like we just yeah. did a one eighty on like ironically being pro Michael yeah. Richards <laughs> into like oh wait we talked ourselves into it. Yeah. As always, you can also reach us on Twitter at Extended Clip sixty nine. We're all on Letterboxed. Uh, I'm at iPod underscore video on Twitter. I'm uh, at Bitchface Palace on Twitter. And also, just to brag, my username is Malcolm on Letterboxd. Pretty cool, right? It's just my name. You know what? I gotta be honest. Whenever I want to check on your profile for something we watch to see the log or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I just search Malcolm on Letterboxd. Yeah. And you're the first thing that comes up. But it's Malcolm X directed by Spike Lee. <laughs> and then it's yeah. Malcolm user. Legendary stamp on the site. <laughs> Legendary presence. Um, yeah, I'm all, uh, at Tallboy Thin Legs. So... And fucks with us on Letterboxd, you know? We all uh, are gaining followers every day. <laughs> we, love to, we love to pontificate, you know? Yeah, you could see my lists, such as, you know, movies about me loving cars too much. It's and, a great list. Yeah. You know? I love lists. Ghost Ride the Whip. Uh, see you next week.